Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 162 of the Speaking Club podcast. Today, I want to start the show with a quote from Glennon Doyle. Our minds are excuse makers. Our imaginations are storytellers. So, instead of asking ourselves what's right or wrong, we must ask ourselves what is true and beautiful. Then our imagination rises inside us thanks us for finally consulting it after all these years and tells us a story. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey there, how are you? Are you ready to get back out there? Or are you feeling a bit anxious about things starting to open up again? I'm a little bit nervous, I'm not going to lie, but I'm also a bit excited. But that's because I'm going to be a nomad. As you may have heard me talk about in previous episodes, for about 18 months, we've been trying to buy a new home. But over that time, four property purchases have fallen through. So we've finally taken the big hint from the universe that now might not be the right time for us to buy. And so we got a four by four in a caravan and we're going on the road around the UK for six to 12 months which feels both liberating and scary at the same time. If you're wondering about my work, yes, I'll still be working. The laptop, mic and camera are coming too. This is up there as one of the most unorthodox things I've ever done, but I know it's going to generate some stories. What's the most unorthodox decision you've ever made and what happened as a result? Could that be a story you use to make a relevant point to your audience? There are probably many moments in your life that would make brilliant stories that can power up your audience engagement. The trouble is that we either struggle to access them, ignore them, or we don't know how to turn them into stories that sell our message to our audience. But that's why I've put together my Snackable Story Challenge which will help you discover your authentic stories to use in your talks, podcasts, lives, webinars and videos. The transformations I see by the end of the challenge are absolutely amazing. People go from scared to share to delivering their stories with power and personality. And the next challenge is starting very soon. And if you're struggling to get your message across, this could be just what you need. Head over to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge to find out more and grab your spot. Now your stories are also brilliant to use in interview presentations, which is what we're here to talk about today. So let's crack on. Now this whole episode started with my sister. Thank God They're not hiring me for my presentation skills. I hated to stress my sister out even more 
but I knew I couldn't let that one pass because I needed her to see the importance of this presentation. When you get to your level, sis, I think you'll find that your ability to present, persuade and influence is a massive part of why they would hire you. In fact, as you probably know, as a listener of this show, from the Harvard Business Review to LinkedIn, communication skills are cited in many surveys as the number one skill desired by business leaders. And in the entrepreneurial world, it's just as critical. Working with my sister to help her get a job and prepare for an interview presentation is part of the reason I put this show together for you today. Because just like for her, the news that you're going to have to do an interview presentation can result in a number of different reactions. Frustration and worry, overconfidence, or a complete meltdown that can even lead to withdrawing your application. And my sis threatened that a few times while we were working together. It's understandable why you might feel nervous or cavalier about them. Often you get just a title. If you're lucky, maybe you get a few lines of a brief. And if you're unlucky, maybe you won't know what you've got to present on until you arrive at the interview. Even in the best scenario where you have a bit of a brief, it can feel like you have very little control, like you don't really know what they want. And so you either get analysis paralysis or you decide to wing it. And what I want to do in this episode is to help you shift away from those reactions. I'm going to be dipping into my 25 years experience as a HR professional alongside my expertise as a performer and speaking coach to show you a formula that you can apply to interview presentations. Using these four steps will put you back in the driving seat and build your confidence so that you can be satisfied you gave it your best shot, whatever the outcome. Now, the first step in the formula is managing your mind. And this is where you start to take back control. To start off with, there are a couple of thoughts I want you to try on in terms of your thinking about this interview presentation and the whole process, actually. First, in relation to the whole thing, I want you to consider shifting your perspective. The hiring process is very much geared to it feeling like they are selecting you. But I want you to consider yourself as the prize that this process is as much about you observing and assessing the people and the company as a fit for you and your future, as much as it is about the company doing the same with you. And that's just as true, even if you're an internal candidate. Secondly, I want you to consider seeing this presentation as a way to differentiate yourself from the others. Because I can tell you in the many, many many interviews that I've sat through. A great presentation is the exception, not the norm. And I've seen people who on paper are technically stronger and more experienced lose out to candidates who could get their message across in a way that answers the brief and keeps the panel engaged. 
The next couple of mindset tips I want to give you are ones that I got from a golf psychologist called Dr. Bob Rotella. You may have heard me mention him before. I love golf, but when I first started out, I completely missed out on the joy of playing because I was so focused on outcomes. I would stand on the tee and think about the score I wanted, which inevitably put pressure on me and unsurprisingly affected my swing. And after I hit a bad shot, I'd beat myself up and then my whole game would go up the swanee. And in those early days, after playing around, I ended up like a little ball of seething anger and frustration. At least once I threw my club. And whilst looking for some help to improve my game and handicap, I came across someone recommending Bob Rotella. So I bought his audiobook, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect, and started listening to it before I went to sleep. There were many, many things I got from that book. And as a result of applying his thought techniques, my results, handicap, but more importantly, enjoyment of the game improved massively and quickly. And I want to share two specific mantras that I got from him that have proved useful time and time again, not only on the golf course, but in my life as well. And these are firstly, focus on the process, not the results and be your own best friend. Implementing these two things help me park my inner critic and get into action because I'm forced to stay present in the process and to talk to myself more positively, like a best friend would. Being there, supportive, you know, try them out during your preparation for the interview and the presentation. I promise you they'll help. The final thing I want you to do in this mindset step is to make a commitment. I want you to commit to giving the necessary focus and energy to your presentation so that you're giving yourself the best possible chance for success. Will you do that? Throw everything at it? Go all in? Balls to the wall? Smashing. In case you're thinking... Why are you using that expression as a woman, Sarah? I wondered that too. But I just paused the recording to check on the etymology of that. And I just want to let you know that the balls being referred to in this saying are actually the ones at the end of levers and plungers. Balls to the wall comes from aviation and means throwing the controls all the way to the limits of their travel, thereby moving the balls to the wall or dashboard. Okay, now that's cleared up. We can move on to step two question time. The very first thing I want you to do in this step is read the presentation brief. Make sure you read it clearly. And then I want you to read the job competencies that they're looking for. And if they aren't using competencies, which are actually a blend of skills, experience and the types of behavior they're looking for when you're doing those things, then if they don't have competencies, look at the skills and experience they set out in the job description and the person's specification. Okay, so firstly, what does the brief ask you to do in the presentation? Break it down. Make sure that you cover everything they want and that you note any time or slide number restrictions you need to adhere to. Then write down those competencies or the skills and experience that they want for the job because your task in this presentation is to answer the question and demonstrate 
through your approach and all the examples you choose to share that you also have what they need for this role. Okay, another important thing for you to know is that there is often no right or wrong answer to the presentation questions. Just like in maths tests you took in school, it's likely that your workings out are as valuable to the panel and the result as the answer you come up with. They'll be looking at how you'd approach the problem. What logic and reasoning would you apply to finding the solution alongside your ability to communicate, influence and persuade? That said, I'm going to give you a list of questions to consider and use to prepare. And I think they're going to be relevant, whatever the brief is. Okay, so get ready to note these down. Number one, what is the problem? Number two, why does solving it matter and who does it matter to? Number three, is this a problem that you'll be able to tackle alone or would you need support? Number four, if you need support, how would you manage getting this? Number five, is there more than one solution to the problem? Number six, how would you decide on what the best solution is? Number seven, are there stakeholders that need to be brought on board? And if yes, how will you do that? Number eight, are there any constraints or risks or opportunities that you need to consider? Number nine, is the solution one size fits all? We have to tailor it for different parts of the organization or different customers, whatever the scenario is. Number 10 then, how would you prioritize your actions in relating to solving this problem? What would you do first? Now, these 10 questions obviously aren't exhaustive, but they should give you a starter for 10. Oh, literally, just amuse myself with that one. Okay, so after question time, the next step is presentation design. And in this step, I want to give you a structure that you can use for the presentation. But again, this is just an option, food for thought. And you may come up with a better one as you get into your prep. That said, here we go. Now, if you're a regular listener, you will have heard me talk about lightning bolts before. These are what you use at the start and end of your presentation to grab attention. And I call them lightning bolts because I want you to shock your audience to leaning in. And in this scenario, I'll also add that they can be a bit of an icebreaker. Using a lightning bolt at the start of your presentation will show the panel this isn't going to be boring and you're in control and they can relax. So to give you an example of what this might look like, in my sister's presentation on the first slide, we added a photo of someone digging. The brief was about her showing how she would salvage a difficult situation for the company that another department had created. So at the start of her presentation, she referenced the photo and said something along the lines of, this isn't the first time I've had to dig the business out of a hole and it's unlikely to be the last. And she told me that the panel chuckled at this. So your lightning bolt can be a story, a prop, a question, a provocative statement, whatever you think will grab their attention right out of the gate and be relevant to your topic. After the lightning bolt will come the problem analysis. This is where you set out your thinking about the problem. Then the stakeholder analysis. 
where you set out your thinking approach to the stakeholders that are relevant to this issue. Then the solution analysis. What options are there? And then a recommendation for one of them and why. Followed by your next actions with that ever important prioritization. Before you end with another lightning bolt and an invitation to the panel to ask questions. Unless you offer them the opportunity to ask them at the start when you go through. As I said before, within each section of your presentation, if you can weave in short story examples from your previous experience to validate your reasoning, decisions and approach, then that is going to be fabulous. The last but important point to make on design is to keep your slides clean and simple. My sister's first draft had all the points she wanted to make for each section written on the slide. But to be honest, they were more for her than the audience because she wanted to use them as prompts. So we ditched that, obviously. Because the biggest problem when your slides are dense with text is that your audience will switch off from listening to you to read what's on the slides. That is going to lead to a boring presentation and you being completely superfluous to the whole event. So here's my guidance. No more than three bullet points on a slide and if possible, avoid text and use an image or images on the slide to complement the points you're making. As I said to my sister, you can always leave the panel with a handout of the points you made at the end of your presentation. Not only will this make you look super slick, but again, if they know this is coming because you can tell them up front, it means they can relax and focus on you. Right, after the design stage comes what I call the deliberate practice step. And this is about rehearsing your delivery and content. It's important that your presentation works out loud, that it runs to time and that you become familiar enough with it that you build your confidence. The things to consider in this step are, are you going to sit or stand? Make a decision as to which is most comfortable for you and stick with it. My own view is that standing is better because again, it shows you're in control and comfortable presenting. Then I want you to pick a place for your arms to rest when you're not gesturing. This can be either by your side or together in front of you. As you go through the presentation out loud, record yourself. This is so that you can just focus on practicing your delivery without second guessing yourself in the moment. And then after you can review the recording to notice where you might need to tighten things up or make something clearer or where a story example from your experience or your industry or profession that you work in might make a point more engaging. Also, consider where in your delivery you might want to slow things down or speed up, raise your voice and the energy or give them the space to consider something important. Through your delivery, you're taking the interview panel on a journey. And if it's live, make sure you share your attention with each panel member. And if it's virtual, make sure you're looking at the camera so that you're actually making eye contact with them. If you have the time, practice it in front of someone who'll give you honest and constructive feedback. Or even better, have a session with a coach. The aim of the deliberate practice step is to get you comfortable with your content and delivery so that you go into the interview feeling that you know the beginning, middle and end and the key points you want to make. 
You need to be ready to trust yourself and let go. As I always say, if you do need notes, that's fine. But try your best to get your prompts down to a few bullet points for each slide on a note card. What we don't want you to do is read the presentation, which again will be boring as hell, will disconnect you from your audience and do you no favours at all with the panel. Okay, so you might be thinking, that sounds like a lot of effort to go through. And yes, you'd be right. You do have to invest time and energy preparing this presentation. But that is why good ones are so exceptional. And the person that makes the investment stands out because not many people do. Right, the last point I wanted to cover off is what if you're thrown into the deep end at the interview and just given like 30 minutes to prepare a presentation? What do you do? Well, you still use this formula. Just shorten the time allocated to each step. Having this process will mean you don't miss anything out and you won't sit there wasting time worrying about how to do it. So that is it. All the four steps. I hope you found it useful. If you're preparing an interview presentation right now or that you find it useful in the future if you plan to go for a new job or promotion. Your key takeaways are invest in this process and go all in. I guarantee you'll have a greater chance of success. Everyone I've worked with who's invested in nailing their presentation has not only got the job, but a significant salary hike to go with it. Yes, including my sis. She absolutely smashed it. Okay, manage your mindset and that will free you up to focus with the right attitude. Go through the question time step to gather your content. Make sure your presentation has that clear structure that takes us through your thought process and approach and showcases your experience. And finally, do some deliberate practice so that you feel ready to smash it too. There you go. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and you've been helped at all by this episode or something in the past, then could you do me a big favour and leave a rating or review if you haven't already done so at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. Finally, if you want to build your speaking confidence and get some great stories to share, then do check out my free snackable story challenge, which is starting soon. And you can find out more at saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge or at storyledmarketing.com. And I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, make sure you stay safe. Don't forget, though, to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye bye. If you want to be more memorable and engaging when you talk, then you need to share more stories. Stories can help you better connect with your audience and their problems and get them leaning in more powerfully than anything else. And short, snackable stories are great to use in pitches, Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. But that's where my free snackable story challenge comes in. 
over the course of just five days, I'm going to give you resources, training and coaching to help you find your authentic personal stories to share and build your skills and confidence in sharing them. Not only that, but the challenge will guide you towards a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. The next challenge is starting soon. So to grab your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.